Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Five people are in a conference room at Burlington Probation and Parole. They're surrounded by hundreds of empty plastic 12-ounce bottles. My name is Glenn Boyd. Uh, I'm a supervisor here at Burlington Probation and Parole. Boyd's usual job is managing the probation officers who supervise people convicted of low-level crimes, crimes that didn't warrant prison sentences. Like DWI, DLS's simple assaults. Across from him is Maria Godleski. She oversees officers who work with higher-risk offenders. So aggravated assault, uh, multiple DWEs, that, that sort of thing. Today, Boyd and Godleski are doing something else. They're pouring hand sanitizer from five-gallon buckets into smaller containers. It's from Silo Distillery in Windsor, which makes vodka and gin. Well, there are five there were five gallon buckets, we had 10, ten of them, so we had 50 gallons, 50 gallons. and we're doing 3,200 of the small bottles and 18 of the one-gallon buckets. When the bottles are full, they screw the caps on and box them up. Some of the jugs will be delivered to Vermont's prisons. The smaller bottles will go to state offices and employees. Usually my job is I sit at a desk and, yeah. So. Not, not filling hand sanitizer. No, hand filling sanitizer, <laughs> From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. And I'm Emily Corwin. In the midst of this global pandemic, VPR's newsroom has been answering your questions about coronavirus in Vermont. Today, what's going on in Vermont's prisons? It's an answer that looked one way a couple weeks ago. We got 40 or 50 people at a time in the chapel. But looks very different now. Our meals are brought to us. We eat in our cells. Our meds are brought to us. We've been in, in contact with the National Guard. We're working with them. Right now, at the Department of Corrections, it's all hands on deck. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. So, Emily, you've been reporting on COVID-19 and Vermont prisons, and you spotted this listener question a while back. It came in through our station's coronavirus survey. Yeah. Way back on March 5th, we got an anonymous question that asked, what is the state's plan for Vermont prisons? What will happen if staff need to quarantine? Of course, March 5th was five weeks ago now, which in coronavirus time feels like, I don't know, five years, five decades. (laughs) Right. 
What was merely preparation when our question asker wrote in is now a full-fledged response. So we're going to start in the present day and then kind of work backwards because just like out here, inside Vermont prisons, a lot has happened and fast. I mean, tell me about the last week for you. I, like, what was last week like for DOC leadership? Um, <laughs> crazy. This is Al Cormier. He's the facilities executive for DOC, the Department of Corrections. Wednesday, April 8th, DOC announced a Vermont inmate had tested positive for COVID-19 for the first time. And immediately, they tested every inmate and employee inside that prison, the Northwest Correctional Facility in Franklin County near Swanton. Results came in the very next day. 33 inmates and 17 staff members were positive for COVID-19 in just that one prison. It's, it's hard to describe because it was, you know, we've been planning and we've been planning and we've been discussing and talking and um, nobody expected a surge like we, we had. DOC had just recently decided that if they needed to quarantine more than a handful of inmates, they would put them in an empty unit in the prison in St. Johnsbury. It had been hypothetical. Now it was real. The same day the test results came in, DOC transported 28 COVID-positive inmates from Franklin County to St. Johnsbury. DOC vehicles backed the inmates up to the quarantine unit's fire exit. So they went right into the unit. They didn't even have to go through the, the admissions area or, or the general population areas. It was all completely separated. Here in St. Johnsbury, each COVID-positive inmate has his own cinder block cell with a toilet and a window looking out into the day room. So the day rooms look normal, other than staff in full masks and glasses and goggles and Tyvek suits. The, the, the living units look the same. About 25 unquarantined men are incarcerated in a different unit at the St. Johnsbury Prison. It's their job to cook for sick inmates. They told me they don't like that the same officers go between the quarantine unit and theirs. But Al Cormier says there's a rigorous process that protects the inmates and the guards. To get to the quarantine unit from the rest of the prison, he says, guards walk through a gym and into a hallway, which he calls a, quote, warm zone. And then it goes outside to a, to a, a tent. So inside this large military-style tent is all the donning and doffing areas for the staff. So they go out, they get their PPE, they put their PPE on, and then they walk into the facility. When they're done, they leave that, that hot zone, they go back into the tent, all their PPE is, is taken off, it's dipped in bleach, it's cleansed in bleach, they, there's a washing station there, um, they can wash their hands, there's hand sanitizer, they bleach the goggles, they, they put the mask in a paper bag, they're able to spray down their feet and their shoes with a, with a bleach solution to, to kill everything before they walk back into the facility. Cormier says these staff do have N95 masks, but they have to reuse them five days in a row before they get a new one. According to the CDC, this practice increases risk but is acceptable during a shortage. There are now more than 30 inmates quarantined in St. Johnsbury. Moving them came together pretty quickly. But Cormier says the department has been planning for coronavirus since February. That's when they started asking visitors and new inmates about travel to places like China. 
In early March, he says, supervisors were already gaming out worst-case scenarios around conference tables. What if we get a coronavirus case here? What are we going to do? What if we get 10? What are we going to do? Where are we going to put them? Where are we going to house them? Do we have the medical supplies to do this? They realized there might be shortages. Once we started hearing it, Basically, it was this whole toilet paper rush, right? We're like, we probably ought to get ready for some of this. They started stockpiling food, cleaning fluid, medical supplies. By mid-March, they canceled in-person visitation and started taking staff members' temperatures. Then, on March 23rd, the first staff member tested positive at the prison in Newport. A week later, a staffer in Franklin County also tested positive. That's where the outbreak is now. The next day, Governor Scott signed the executive order telling everyone outside prison they had to stay home. For those of us on the outside, everything was different. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. My first phone call with Brian Rock was three days after Governor Scott's stay home order went into effect. I'd already been working from home and social distancing for three weeks. But for Rock, who's incarcerated at Northwest, where the outbreak is now, Little had changed. Yeah, I mean, I go to the gym every day the gym's available, and I'm running around playing basketball with people. Inmates were still eating meals all together in chow hall. We got 40 or 50 people at a time in the chow hall. My elbows touch two other people that I sit with, and there's somebody directly across the table from me. Rock told me his unit's hand sanitizer bottles were frequently empty and didn't contain CDC-approved hand sanitizer made with alcohol. At first, when I asked DOC Commissioner Jim Baker about this, he said the inmates I was talking to must be confused. We have created uh, an incredible supply line going to these facilities. I check on that supply line twice a day, personally. After our story ran, Baker acknowledged DOC is struggling to supply its facilities with alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Now, as you heard at the top of the episode, probation parole officers are helping the department with its supply. And, by the way, as soon as I asked Baker about the basketball, he had it canceled. Right now, the inmates at Northwest, where the outbreak was, are on full lockdown. They only leave their cells to shower. Folks incarcerated at Vermont's five other prisons are on modified lockdowns. People like Terry Lazad. We don't leave the unit for absolutely anything unless we go outside for rec. Our meals are brought to us. We eat in our cells. Our meds are brought to us. Lazad is incarcerated in Newport. He says when he leaves his cell, he has to wear a mask made out of bedsheets stapled to rubber bands. Lazad is past his minimum sentence and has asthma. He says... DOC should let him out so he can quarantine at home in New Hampshire with his mom. And the department has been releasing some inmates earlier than usual. Since March 4th, Vermont's prison population has gone down 15 percent. But advocates, including the Vermont ACLU, say that's not enough. They want more people to be released. Our question asker wanted to know what the state prisons were doing to prepare for coronavirus. But they also specifically asked about staffers. What would Vermont do if correctional officers were quarantined? And the truth is, officers are already in quarantine. 18 have tested positive. Others are out with symptoms. Some are just home because their kids aren't in school. 
So we have, we have a staffing plan in place. That's Al Cormier again. He says filling in are officers from the state's probation and parole offices, folks who usually report to people like Glenn Boyd and Maria Goodleski when they aren't pouring hand sanitizer into 12-ounce bottles. And so far, Cormier says that's working. But if things go way downhill, there's a plan for that too. Um, we've been in, in contact with the National Guard. We're working with them um, for the potential of, you know, a, a number of staff going out where we can bring in National Guard troops. I wanted to talk to some correctional officers, but their union couldn't find anyone to talk. They said everyone was busy working. Instead, Steve Howard, the union's executive director, agreed to an interview. I think the biggest concerns are really health and safety and um the sort of, uh, I would say, haphazard uh, availability of uh, personal protective equipment. Howard wants more guards outside of the quarantine unit to have access to N95 masks and gowns. And he says there have been a couple other hang-ups along the way. You know, we had, uh, we were, we had a couple of facilities where they were supposed to be checking uh, the temperatures of, of um, anybody going into the facility, and that wasn't happening, and he wasn't Now, there. Howard is a union leader. It's his job to push back against department executives. So I was surprised to hear him say this about DOC Commissioner Jim Baker. He has been, I think, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> um, he has been really uh, very responsive. Howard says when he raises an issue with Baker, Baker often makes things right like the temperature checks, or when he told him his officers were afraid of bringing the virus home with them, and DOC got hotel rooms for the correctional officers to stay in, free of charge. One thing Baker hasn't budged on, which Howard and the union are agitating for, is universal testing of every staffer and inmate in the prison. Right now, they won't do that until someone inside has symptoms, gets tested, and comes up positive, which so far, has only happened at Northwest in Franklin County. But the one thing Howard says he wants you to walk away from this story knowing is this. People are stepping up to do what they know is dangerous, even more dangerous than they usually uh, encounter, in order to make sure that the system functions. I hope that uh, society remembers that when people try to generalize about correctional officers, that they remember that throughout this crisis, these people walked away from their families and put their lives in danger once again to make sure that the community was safe. For Brave Little State, I'm Emily Corwin. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you have a question about coronavirus in Vermont or anything else, ask it at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can sign up for our occasional newsletter. This episode was produced by Emily Corwin with editing from Mark Davis. Our digital producer is Elodie Reed, and we have engineering support from John Billingsley. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. VPR and Brave Little State have support for criminal justice reporting from Ben and Jerry's. And thanks very much to the sustaining members who support our work. You can join them at bravelittlestate.org slash donate. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon with a question about Vermont farms. If food shortages come to pass, could our farms feed our population? Until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. 
At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.